What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, the morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock, and today we're going to talk about the Chicago Cubs, which is super fitting that I waited as long to do this. I was actually waiting to put out this rotation piece and this podcast until the Tyone podcast came out. If you guys haven't checked that out, go to the Talking Pitching uh, podcast on our network. I have my entire interview with Jamison Tyone there. We're also going to be getting it up on YouTube today or tomorrow. So go check that one out. It's an hour and a half of me talking to Jameson Tyone about his approach, his entire season. I could have had the one-on-one interview with him for so much longer, and then we went into the game instead. We had to watch six innings of him dominating the Diamondbacks with this beautiful down-and-away cutter. Check out that video. Tyone is the best. Uh, I, I really just, I love talking to him. I have uh, such a fun chemistry with him, um, and on the same page about a lot of stuff, and uh Really, really suggest go listen to that one. It just gives you so much insight to what it's like to being a starting pitcher. And also how you shouldn't really be judging a guy just from a season from the numbers. And we're going to talk about the entire Cubs rotation today. I might as well just talk about Tyon first, even though he's not going to be the SP1 on this team. I really want to look at that 2023 season of a 484 ERA and a 128 whip, 21% K rate, 154 innings. And to really not let that judge who we think Tyon is. Because that was so illuminating in this podcast, in this conversation with him. Who Tyone was last year is not who we're going to see in 2024. It should be better. ICR was 40%, which isn't good. And there are many reasons to truly believe that he will be a better pitcher. Now, how much better is you know, unclear, of course. But let me go through how he approached last year and what we think is going to change. The problems that he had were four-seamer command was not right. Against right-handers, he threw it more middle away than we want him to. And he really wanted to. He didn't feel like he had gotten to a groove with it. He even talked about being in uh, in pinstripes in 2021, where the Yankees were like, look, let's throw that four-seam. We have a lot of IVB on that upstairs a ton. And he did, and he had success with it. He just didn't have any secondaries to pair with it. Didn't have a good cutter, didn't have a sweeper, didn't have the curveball working for him. He didn't have the right slider. So what would happen, and he talked about it, was saying, look, I would throw that four-seamer of saves, I would get that whiff, but by the time that I would get the two strikes, I couldn't put them away because they'd already seen that, and I would just get foul balls, and it'd be really frustrating. And I was like, I, I'm completely with you, and all I was excited about for you was to find that secondary stuff. And here we are in 2023, where he has the secondary stuff, it just wasn't paired with that four-seamer upstairs again. And I even texted him during the stream saying, like, look, I want to talk to you about this four-seamer. And we got to do that, and it was really fun. And I do believe that Tyone is on the same page. Like, he he knows this, and he will be approaching his four-seamer more as an elevated pitch in 2024. I can't wait for that. On top of it, he has this cutter that he uses to go against lefties. And we talked about how, I believe it was Brandon Marsh, hit a cutter for a home run that was perfectly placed up and inside. And it really messed him up a little bit, and he just felt that this cutter wasn't getting the results it should have early in the year, and it kind of took him off his game, um, and that's very understandable, and it's important to remember that. Pitchers are going to go through moments with their pitches based on confidence and uh, and really working with their catcher of, hey, is this an effective pitcher or not, just based on what they're seeing at the plate and not really just based on our uh, models and uh, strike some plots and numbers, right? It's like, well, he, I just saw a home run and I shouldn't have and I don't feel confident in it anymore. So I believe that Cutter is going to come back against lefties. And that's really the, the thing he's going to focus on the most. He's working on a splitter. And normally I wouldn't be excited about that, except it's Tyone, a guy who's been really good at consistency throughout his career. 6% walk rate last year, does not walk guys. And if there's someone who's going to add an effective splitter, I think it would be Tyone who isn't going to allow that to open up 
walk rates galore. It's just another weapon that he needs against lefties. In addition, I think the sweeper is going to uh, have more of a presence. Sweepers generally don't work as well against offhand batters because they're going in horizontally, which is easier for batters to deal with. While you might be able to do backdoor effectively, though, with sweepers. We've seen that a ton, like Chris Sales back in the day. Um, and I do think that that curveball down and in, which you stay a little bit farther away from, and using the curveball instead of the backdoor breaker is more the back foot breaker, and then the sweeper is the backdoor pitch. In addition to really getting that four-seamer upstairs more, I think there's a lot of things that Tyone can be doing next year. And I really think that just across the board, I mean, how he demolishes right-handers is tenfold. The game that we watched, he didn't really use a sinker inside at all because he didn't have to. His cutter down and away was perfect. And he was in that rhythm and just used that. And it was great. And then saved his four-seamer upstairs. It was exactly what we wanted to see from him. And we didn't even see the sweeper a ton in that one because that cutter was just so good. But he also has a sinker. He gets it inside the righties. He uses it correctly, has a low ICR on it. It's what you want to see there. So he has the tools. He's working on all this stuff. He's getting better rapport with his catchers. Uh, I really think that Tyone is primed to be a very effective starter next year, especially in 15-teamers. And what's really cool is he might actually be starting the opening weekend. Um, if it's Steele, Tyone, and Hendricks, or uh, Imanaga in there, those are the four guys. I think Tyone's in the first three. And if that's the case, then I would love to get him in 12-teamers, have him th- for that opening weekend. It's a good matchup. And then you can drop him for, if you want, for whatever fourth or fifth starter who's on the waiver wire in your 12-teamer that you're intrigued by, right? Get that free start out of the way, and you get an opportunity to say, like, is Tyone doing the things? That's really cool. So that's a lot about Tyone. Definitely watch that uh, video on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash pitcherless. We're doing a lot more things with YouTube this year, so make sure you subscribe there, uh, and just helps us out a ton. We're going to be uh, moving all of our podcasts, actually, are going to be YouTube podcasts as well. Um, a lot more video stuff on the way, but uh, definitely go subscribe there. Uh, Justin Steele is up next, and I am out on Justin Steele. Sorry, I know. Um, I think he allows too much hard contact. Uh, 37% overall ICR is fine. 117 whip, and I know that also later in the year, he got fatigued in September. It affected him a bit. There was also that, what, six earned runs game against the Red Sox that got turned into an error and he lost like 0.5 of his ERA. The way I see Steele is he's a two-pitch pitcher. It's a fastball and a slider, and I don't even want to call it a four-seamer. To me, it's a cutter, and when you think of him as a cutter-slider guy, it all makes sense because how Justin Steele uses his cutter is he gets this inside to righties, and it's effective. It's not like a 30% ICR. It's like a 36 it's very good, but the slider is around 36-2, and all right, so he takes down right-handers decently well, and he's able to you know get outs with that, and that's fine. Against left-handers, Justin Steele's ICR on this cutter, 56%. 56%. That is atrocious, and this is a pitch he throws over 40% of the time to left-handers. He has an issue against lefties. Hopefully, the slider can be better. I mean, it does well, but it doesn't, it's not like a sub 30% ICR. It's not like this 25% swing striker pitch. It was an 18%, which is good. Actually, more like 19%. That's very good, but he really, that's the Wascarinoa rule against lefties. And against righties, I don't think the fastball is going to have as much success getting outs as it did last year. I mean, his temper nine was near nine last year. It's a 5% walk rate, sub 25% K rate. Justin Zeal's fine, but it's a two pitch pitcher. 
and I don't like this. I just feel like, why are we going after Justin Steele when we can get just another Holly like Merrill Kelly or Jose Barrios at a much cheaper rate? I don't, I don't buy it. I don't really think that Justin Steele has one singular pitch that is the best pitch that he has. I don't know what it is. PLV says it's a slider, 5.5 versus the 4.9 of his four-seamer. But I think that PLV isn't quite taking into account the uh, how much of the cut is working. Um, but on that four-seamer and the slider just isn't... I don't know. I, I watched this pitch and it just isn't as dominating as you want it to be. So I'm out on Justin Steele. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm ready to be wrong for a second year in a row, but uh, it just doesn't add up to me. Um, Kyle Hendricks is an interesting one and in some ways is like a mini Justin Steele. And of course, I'm going to break down Shota Imanaga and the rest of the Cup starters. And we're going to talk about all of that after this break. So Kyle Hendricks, yes, he is kind of like an opposite Justin Steele. Why am I saying that? Because he's really good uh, against the right-handers. He does a really good job of of locating sinkers and four-seamers, and that changeup is effective on both sides of the plate. The ICR rate, by the way, of that changeup, 41% usage overall at a 28% ICR. That is remarkable, to say the least. He throws it so much and just does not allow hard contact off of it. Um, the problem is that this four-seamer is on 20% of the time at a 54% ICR. That's really bad. Um, that's just both sides of the plate, right? Um, so he spots sinkers incredibly well, uh, and... The changeup is stupid good. Four-seamer actually has a high called strike rate, 32% against left-handers and 32% actually percent overall, I should say. Um, it, it's fine, honestly. He just doesn't get strikeouts like Steele does, 16%. That's the issue. Hipper 9 is pretty much the same. <laughs> it's just not strikeouts. It's why it's a whip of 120, which is pretty comparable to Justin Steele's, right? 117 versus 120, 3.74 ERA. So Hendricks is Steele without the strikeouts, in my view. And that's all right. Like, I think that you're going to get decent enough ratios from Hendricks. 15 teamers should take note of Hendricks. I know it's, you know, he throws so slow. But really, when you throw 40% of a pitch that has a 63% strike rate and 28% ICR, like, you're going to have success. And that changeup rate could go even higher uh, moving forward. Maybe he can find his curveball once again to, I don't know, he didn't throw it like at all last year. So we'll see how that goes. Um I don't really want to target that for 12 teamers. I just think the strikeout rate is too low and the ratio boost isn't enough. Um, streaming option, yes, but I, it's fine. It's like a backup. Like, all right, I need a starter this week. Let's take a chance, you know, on uh, on Hendricks. He is a Toby at best. Um, he's kind of like a, a panda, which is an old term, which is waiver wire fodder, um, because there's a panda as the image and. Uh, don't worry about it. Anyway, uh, Shoto Imanaga just, we got just word yesterday that is on Tuesday night that Imanaga is going to be signing uh, with the Cubs. And I'll be completely honest with you. I mean, I don't understand why teams are so out on him. Um, you're saying, no, so many teams were in. The word is like four years at 60 million. I'm sorry. Imanaga at 15 million a year for four years is an absolute heist. And I'm putting my foot down and I'm saying this. I I think that Imanaga, the worries that people had, I heard rumors that the Yankees were out on Imanaga because they're worried about his fly ball tendencies and his home run tendencies in New York Stadium. I'm going to tell you this right now. Imanaga has an elite four-seamer. It's IVB and VAA are kind of unheard of where it's a super low angle 
and has unbelievable rise. The problem with Imanaga is that he didn't utilize it right. He sometimes went upstairs with it, but he didn't often. He sometimes went away with it. He actually worked the edges more with it. And don't do that. The Yankees know how to make Nestor Cortez do everything right with his four-seamer. And this is better than Cortez's. And this thing goes upstairs and comes in harder. Um, Yeah, Imanaga is going to be amazing. Oh, and by the way, he has three other, actually really four other pitches. He has a cutter and curve that are more sparing but then a really good sweeper that sometimes he doesn't command quite right. That Trey Turner home run still is uh, burned into my skull. <laughs> but I, but then he has a splitter too, and he doesn't walk batters. And what I see from Imanaga is, yeah, that's a six-inning guy who isn't going to walk people, who's going to have roughly a 25% strikeout rate. I mean, especially if the Cubs say, look, get this pitch upstairs. I'm going to be texting Tyone and be like, make sure Imanaga throws upstairs for the love of Pete. The love of Koufax is actually what I say on the uh, on the roundup, and I love that. Um, imagine the Cubs are. The Cubs are really smart. Uh, I actually have more respect for the Cubs' development um, than I than many other teams. So I I especially love, I mean, hearing what Tyone talked about their pitching coach too as well, um, I think is something that's really, really important for teams to have is the right pitching coach that works with players the correct way. I just really hope that Imanaga throws upstairs with this. And I understand it's Wrigley, and I understand the wind can be going out, and that can be messing around with certain things. Wrigley goes both ways. And I actually looked up park factors for home runs in the Cubs last year. And you'd be surprised to say that's just 6% more. That is a 106. Um, and that just means that there are 6% more home runs hit in Wrigley than expected. I uh, So based on like the park factors of it. That's not really that much, guys. That's like saying if someone's going to have... Um, I don't know, I uh, 20 more home runs. So if they, if they allow 100 home runs in a year, he's going to have six more than that. So that means like one or two more home runs than usual. Really one because half of those games are in regularly. So that's our, not, really not like the biggest shift. Am I crazy here saying that? Um, if you want to say Managa is more than 20 home runs in five, but uh, don't worry about that. And the Cubs infield defense was really good. Um, for a bit last year. I think the outfield defense, not so much. Hopefully that gets better for them. I should look more into that. Um, I really should, at some point before the start of the year, have a an expected defense, defense metrics of infields versus outfields for us to get some sleepers. Because honestly, in the past, we've seen that with the Cubs. We've seen that with the Cardinals. We've seen that with the Diamondbacks. These Tobys appear out of nowhere. Michael is in 2021 or 2022. Merrill Kelly's showing up in this way. Um, Gallon getting a lot of that stuff. Stroman showing up in a good way. We can actually move on that, and I'll try and do that before the season starts. But anyway, Imanaga, I don't know where he's going in drafts right now, but you're you're going to see him inside my top 45, if not my top 40. He is my SP, inside the top uh, 4 SP cliff for me. You will not drop Shota Imanaga this season. You really shouldn't. I, I'm willing to say that. Uh, I just I think he's great and super polished right now. Number one stuff plus of all starting pitchers in the WBC. And he is not a bad command guy. I don't like stuff just using stuff plus numbers because it does not pair with command. You should just use pitching plus in that way. But really, I want to emphasize that Imanaga is not a, a wild pitcher. And having that kind of stuff plus and not being a wild pitcher is like what you want to see. Uh, the number five for the Cubs is interesting because it could be Jordan Wicks. And I was more in on Jordan Wicks during the season than I am out of it as I reflect more on what he does. 
And I think that's because I watched the first star got really enamored and didn't realize that he didn't really replicate that as much moving forward. So it's possible that that was adrenaline and that's his potential. Then he kind of didn't have that extra energy in it and left him. And then maybe he could get back to that place uh, with more confidence and more, um, you know, just more reps, essentially. But Jordan Wicks has a really good changeup. Uh, it's a 30% usage pitch, uh, very low ICR, 24% ICR. He doesn't get enough strikes on it. It's about 60%. And that's the real issue at the moment is that if he's going to be great, Wicks needs to really figure out how do I become Kyle Hendricks and get up to 35% plus usage while getting well over that 60% strike hump. The four-seamer, not so much. Uh, got destroyed last year, and a cutter they tried to pair with it also got destroyed. There is a sinker involved. It does well. Um, I don't really know if he can make this everything. I mean, it does go inside to lefties. That's good. Change-up, sinker against lefties does work still, even though it is a change-up. It still works against them. The question is, does he have that secondary breaker? And there are times I saw the slider last year be that, kind of the cutter was that. Um, it, maybe he becomes like a Carrasco type of change-ups and uh, some breaker that goes in on righties or away from lefties that can say, look, I have the change-up against righties. That's great. I have this breaker against lefties. And then I'm just trying to figure out a sinker or a cutter or a four-seamer. Sinkers inside to lefties. Four seamers or cutters inside to righties, and there you go. It's possible, um, but I just don't see it right now for Wicks, and I think that might be something he struggles with and doesn't get the fifth job. So then who does? Who gets that spot in the Cubs rotation? Well, if they don't sign anyone else, uh, Javier Assad has in the past. I don't think he's very good. I think when he's able to spot his cutter in a sinker, things are okay. He had a 305 ERA from in 2023, but Assad is not the guy uh, that I think is a long-term option, and... Uh, he should be aside the point. That, that's terrible. Um, let's go with Drew Smiley then. No, not really. He's going to be 35 in June, and it's kind of interesting. His quote-unquote sinker, he's a lefty with a sinker, but it's really a four-seamer because it has a 17 IVB. <laughs> I mean, that's really great, 16.8, but you get it. Like That is how he's had success, and he's had the Blake Snell blueprint in the past. When I got excited about Drew Smiley at the end of 2022, I think it was like six or seven starts where he did really well, like a 25% K rate and a solid ERA and whip. It's because his sinker was going upstairs and his curveball was actually getting down. The problem is the uh, the sinker went from 17 IVB to about 16, and he had less extension and velocity, and his swing strike rate went from 12% to 8% last year. So that is everything for Smiley. I don't think that gets better as he gets older. The curveball's still good. It's just not... It's not pristine. It's not the death ball. Man, that is going to make so much money for Jordan Montgomery that Passon said that. I love that. That's such a good article, Passon. And it's one of those moments of um, the terminology is such a good marketing tool for Montgomery. But anyway, uh, Smiley doesn't quite have that. And there are days where like the cutter works, but I don't think Smiley is going to be a dependable option. Hayden Wesneski was toyed with to be in the rotation this time last year. And it's really just a really good slider. It's tons of sweep in depth, like both uh, axes are just excellent movement, but it's a low 60% strike rate and actually surprisingly a sub 15% swing strike rate. So I think it's going to, those are both going to rise as he commands it better, but Wesneski only really has it. And it breaks the Wasker rule. Like you can't, you can't only have this pitch. You just don't have a, uh, a good enough four seamer or something else to get strikes. The sinker is really good inside a right-handers. Uh, Brilliant 30% ICR rate, which is great. You don't have anything against lefties. And I don't know if I can really believe you being like a Brady Singer type of sinkers and breakers. So 
the four seamer had an 11 IVB. That is, uh, you can't do that. <laughs> That's a dead zone fastball. At the at like, I guess a sinker really, but ooh, don't throw that up in the zone, please. Um, Cutter was also terrible at 57% ICR. So there you go. Now there is one option, uh, and that would be for the Cubs to bring up one of their prospects. I mean, I could like Keegan Thompson and uh, there's another Adrian Sampson. Those guys, I just don't know. Let's just move on. Um, Kate Horton and Ben Brown. And between them, they're a little bit similar because they both have these good fastballs. Um, ben Brown has a has solid IVB and extension 95-96. It's not good VIA. It's really over the top. And they might turn him into reliever because he's really just fastball slider. Um, I hope that he can find something else in there. I hope that the the fastball, I don't really know if it's a big whiff pitch and it can be one. I'm a little more cautious on Ben Brown. And I just love the fact that he has the same name as our staffer, Ben Brown, who, if you guys don't know who Ben Brown is, he's someone who's really preserved the nastiest gifts of our site. And we're bringing that back for 2024, which I'm really excited about that section of the site and really leaning into that once again more because I feel like it's a core of us. I mean, after all, we are Pitcher Gifts LLC. Um, and that's so I think of Ben Brown, the Cubs pitcher, of course, uh, being Ben Brown, our wonderful staffer, uh, manager, I should say. But yeah, as a starting pitching option, I don't really think he's the one for the Cubs. We might see it, but I think being, being a two-pitch pitcher and not really selling me on an overwhelming fastball uh, makes me a little bit too concerned. Now, Cade Horton, though. Uh, is interesting. I don't have the data I want. That is, I don't have the direct IVB number. I wish I did. I wish I had the direct VAA. If someone has that, please send that to me as soon as possible. I want to know what those are. However, uh, Jeff Pontus, um, he has a really good tweet that showcases that the spin axis of it is 1215. That is really good spin efficiency. Um, and that generally says, look, it's a four seamer that is coming out at the right angle and thus should have the most potential to get IVB. Um, just think of it that way. Where if it is, a, that's just a time on the clock. 12.15 is just like on the clock. If you hold your two fingers straight up, that is at 12 o'clock. And then the more you tilt it to the right is then becoming closer to three o'clock if it's all the way sidearm. And for a four seamer to get IVB in vertical movement, you want that to be as close to 12 o'clock as possible. That would be 100% spin efficiency. Um, it would be 50%, I think. If it were completely uh, at three o'clock, just so you guys know, um, I think that is correct. Uh, I, sh- I yeah. Anyway, I so uh, Kate Horton is really interesting with that because it does seem like that kind of overwhelming four seamer, and the slider is a very filthy pitch. I don't know how good his curve and changeup are though, but it does seem like there is a more full arsenal there, and I feel like Kate Horton is the one that the Cubs would. Um, well, he's not, you know, doesn't have triple A numbers. Ben Brown does. And maybe Ben Brown gets the fifth spot in training camp because of that. But maybe Kane Horton just dominates the spring and gets it. Or at the very least, spends a month and then it comes up in May. But he's the one I'm really going to be focusing on for the Cubs. I am curious. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cubs went and got one more back-end starter or something else to pad the rotation. Uh, because Jordan Wicks, to me, just isn't quite uh, the guy yet. Um, and they don't really have a solid option as number five, but at least they got Imanaga just to hold it out. All right, but that is it for today. Check out the full article, of course, on the site. Uh, if you have PL Pro, then of course includes PL Pro Lifetime. Uh, we've gotten really good response with it. Um, we 
are going to be making it a limited quantity though. So if you still want to get PL Pro Lifetime, we expect that we're going to see a lot more people jump into it in February. Um, if you want to get in while it lasts, uh, you definitely want to go and consider it now. So go to pitchless.com slash lifetime to go check that out. But that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock and may your babbles be low and your strikeouts high.